Dear listeners, Sairam and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 24th December 2015. Have a listen please. Salam dear listeners, welcome to this week's afternoon satsang. So we begin by offering our most humble pranams at Bhagwan's lotus feet and I invite brother Arvind to join me. Sairam Arvind. Sairam Prem, see today is our Ramkatha fortnight and we are discussing Hanuman. I was just thinking when Hanuman was asked, who are you? He started with at the level of the body, I am this, at the level of the mind, I am this, but at the level of the soul, I am one with Rama. At the level of the body, I am like a servant of Rama. I am serving him, I am doing his bidding. At the level of the mind, he is like a parent and I am like He's part of a, a him. Spark of the divine. I'm a spark of the divine. Right. He's the parent from which the spark has come. But at the level of the Atma, there's no difference between him and me. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, to be the messenger of the Lord, in many ways, as you said so beautifully, that kind of a progress which saying that, you know, this is how each one has to progress. And the Sundara Kandam is nothing other than that. Here is the messenger of the Lord. Here is the, as Hanuman says, Dasoham. The Dasa of the Lord becoming the hero. And that's why Sundara Kandam is so special as we've spoken so much about. And we are right in the middle of that. And again, we are talking about the messenger of God who told that he is a spark of the divine and finally he said I am no different from Rama and once again we can just offer our gratitude to Swami that thrills us that fills us and that delights us so dear listeners with that brief introduction we will be continuing from where we had left off last time but before we do that as always as we do before the beginning of any Ramkatha Satsang we start by remembering the sweet nectarous name of Lord Sri Rama after which we shall proceed with the story श्री राम राम रामे रमे रामे मनोरमे सहस्रनाम तत्यम रामनामरानने रामनामरानने Yes, dear listeners, as always, we begin by offering our most humble pranams at the lotus feet of our Lord and at the feet of Lord Hanuman, who is believed to be present every time the story of the Ramayana is spoken about, is thought about, is glorified. And it's so beautiful that today we are going to continue talking about this phenomenal hero. You know, if you go to North India, if you go to, in fact, even in Andhra Pradesh, it is very, very difficult to find even one town, one village or one small, you know, uh, settlement which does not have an Hanuman temple. Even more common than a Rama Lakshmana temple is a Maruti temple. Mm. Especially if you go to, you know, North India, UP, Bihar, 
Madhya Pradesh and Maharashtra. You, I mean, every village will have. Even in the Satchitra, you will have that. You know, there is a Maruti temple in Shirdi. There is a wherever they go, there will be a Hanuman temple. You know, it's such an inspiration that here is a devotee who has raised himself to that level. And uh, no, when you speak of that, absolutely an unrelated uh, subject. During the convocation, we had the chief guest from Japan. I forget his name, right. but along with him in the delegation was Mr. Suzuki also, right. who is the CEO of the Suzuki Corporation. And the Suzuki Corporation in collaboration with the company in India have come out with the car Maruti Suzuki. So he was very amazed when he got to know that Maruti is the name of Lord Hanuman and that there's 65 feet statue of Lord Hanuman in Puttaparthi. He requested whether he could view that Mm -hmm. statue and that's why the entire Japanese delegation ended up on top and (laughs) on the social media also this photograph was doing rounds of Mr. Suzuki doing Aarti to Maruti. Maruti. (laughs) And you know what? So beautifully, Prem, that on the hilltop, Mm -hmm. it is not put as Hanuman. Oh. The, the nameplate there reads Maruti. Wow. 65 feet. So it was amazing and thrilling. So when you just said Maruti, uh, Maruti, not only in North India, here also Swami has placed Maruti as a Absolutely. ideal for all. One thing is we worshipping Lord Hanuman and putting his temple everywhere. What better fulfillment for a devotee when the Lord himself comes and says, you know, the biggest statue in my Puttaparthi will be yours. The highest placed statue will be yours. You know, yours. and Hanuman is above Krishna, above Shiva, right. above uh, Zorashtra, above Jesus in the Hilvius right, Stadium. And right. it's almost like the devotee is being put at the crown jewel. Absolutely. Over the Lord I'm himself. Saying, you know, those days, 65th birthday was a real important birthday. And of course, we have gone through so many 70, 75, 80, 85. But that time, 60th and 65th actually drew, I think, the largest crowds for that time. Puttaparthi was never used to that kind of crowds. Imagine for Swami's 65th birthday, which was so special, Swami says, let's put a 65 feet statue of Hanuman. Hanuman. You know, how beautiful is this relationship between Lord Hanuman and his Lord, who is our Lord? I think possibly next week, as we discuss Hanuman, we shall also discuss the story of how that statue came up. I think that will be beautiful, right? Yeah, we'll gather a little more details and it will be exciting to relive that. Uh, Coming back to where we were in the story, we had just discussed how Hanuman overcomes a Sattvic obstacle, a Rajasic obstacle and a Tamasic obstacle. The Sattvic obstacle being uh, Mainaka Parvat, the Rajasic obstacle being Surasa and the Tamasic obstacle being Simhika, how he overcomes them and lands on the shores of Lanka. Now, as soon as he lands on the shores, he is just amazed in seeing those multiple gardens, parks, the pleasure centers. You know, it's like a partying place. It is so full of that and he is just charmed at first because that is so, it's almost looking like it's heaven itself. Everything seems to be paved in gold. But though it looks so beautiful, there are these Rakshasas and Ogres strolling the place. So, Hanuman realizes that he is going to be a stranger if he enters because there's nobody looking like him. Right. And therefore he takes on a small form and he decides to enter the city gates to enter Lanka. And even as he is doing that, he is accosted by a guard at the city gate, fierce lady, a demoness by name Lankini. She stops Hanuman and she refuses to let him pass through because that is exactly her job. Right. And she stands there and first of all, she is amused by this form she is seeing for the first time, you know, form of a monkey and probably there are no monkeys in Lanka and also it is in a miniature size. So she stops and she says, who are you? How did you come here? First of all, it's an island which is covered by ocean on all sides and how did you land up here? There's no way anybody can reach here. Mm. And she she kind of asked me, do you mean to say that you've jumped across the seas and come here? And how dare you? Nobody enters here. But you know, the way Swami writes, it's so beautiful. Like mm. Hanuman is casually walking, you know, least bothered about these questions. And like as he's just strolling into the garden. Exactly. You know, when you're reading this, the impression, the image that comes in your mind is of what Swami says, the elephant is not affected by the barking of dogs. Right. But here it's the opposite actually. 
एक्चुअली बिकॉज हनुमान एंड साइज इज सो स्मॉल लंकिन इज अ डॉन्टिंगली बिग फिगर एंड येट हनुमान इज वॉकिंग विद पेनाश एंड कॉन्फिडेंस ऑफ एन एलिफेंट वाइल लंकिनी सीम्स टू बी बार्किंग विद द फेरोसिटी ऑफ अ डॉग इन द वे स्वामी राइट इट हनुमान वॉक्स कैशली ड्रैगिंग स्टेल अलॉन्ग विच इज ट्रेलिंग बिहाइंड इन द ग्राउंड सो ही इज लाइक लीज बॉर्डर एंड इनफैक्ट इट्स इट्स अ वेरी ब्यूटिफुल इंट्रेक्शन एट दिस पर्टिकुलर पॉइंट यू नो द emotions of a devotee first of all fearless absolutely fearless you know when you have the backing as i was telling somebody you know when you know that you have the backing of a minister you feel so confident you know you don't mind breaking the traffic rules you don't mind getting caught somewhere you know the typical thing of you know who i am you know who i know you know i have the number of so and so i mean when you know the fact that here is swami who is you know who's cover my back he is there you know what should i fear what is there for me to even hesitate about when i'm doing the right thing when i'm doing it for my lord and that is the first emotion hanuman is showing in this particular part where in this interaction with lankini he's like absolutely unperturbed by her uh, you know and she starts yelling she starts howling at him and she says stop how do you do this continuing with that thought you know of fearlessness i feel the only difference possibly between the minister and swami would be when it comes to swami the intention counts so you can't uh, hoodwink the lord the way you can hoodwink a minister who is backing you uh, so hanuman's intentions are definitely pure and talking of fearlessness this was a thought that has struck me many times that if one has to truly be fearless one actually has to be desireless one should not have desires of one's own or uh, you know like objectives this is what i wish to do this is what i want to do if only one is able to have a single desire that is my lord's wish is my command that's all i have no desire of my own i have sublimated my desire see we saw this even in the beginning of the ramayana where uh, lakshmana cries and tells rama why are you telling me to build a hut where i wish do you mean to say that your wish and my wish is different rama why do you put me into such suffering why do you make me a third party away from you that is the kind of pangs that lakshmana suffered i mean while any one of us is swami says yeah do it as you please we would have thought that this is a way of the lord reposing his faith in us that's the way a true devotee thinks and that is how a person who thinks he is a true devotee thinks <laughs> that is right. me and you so here also hanuman has absolutely no desire of his own and therefore when you have no desire of your own there is no fear of disappointment there is no frustration there is no irritation there is no anger there is calm and you have really no fear because you know the success or failure doesn't you know it doesn't matter to you because you are doing the lord's work if the lord wants it to succeed it will succeed if the lord is wanting it to succeed in a manner in which you are supposed to be failing at a level fine with it you have absolutely no fear and i feel this is has to be highlighted that hanuman or any true devotee is fearless not only because he knows his lord is backing him but also because he has no motive or desire of his own the only desire being that i have to fulfill what my lord has told me to do and that also you know it is not as if i have to see the result of that action i am going to put my efforts towards fulfilling what my lord has said how it gets fulfilled what happens is all left to him and therefore i have nothing to fear so fearlessness and desirelessness are very very closely linked and interrelated absolutely but you know just adding another cog in the same uh, discussion which you are trying to bring in for us there is fearlessness and there is desirelessness but when you bring in god in that thing you know when you're talking about faith we all speak about faith you know i have my faith here i'm a faithful in this one but many Many times we forget that what is important. You know, we are living in a life where what is most obvious is your actions, is your thoughts, is your beliefs. So if that faith does not express itself as fearlessness, then that faith is actually, you know, as Swami says, there is no unity of thought word and deed. If you really have that faith, it will express itself as fearlessness. And the same thing, desirelessness comes because you know, from this point, Hanuman is thinking, okay, if I die, if that is the choice which Rama has for me, it's acceptable for me. You know, the desirelessness comes because whatever comes from God is acceptable for me. 
me. So it is this way or that way, it doesn't matter to me. Mm. So I don't desire one more than the other. So this triad of, you know, fearlessness, desirelessness and deep faith and surrender. I think that is what all of us as devotees are forever trying to achieve. And that's why Hanuman is walking so confidently and his Lankini, who is so menacing and strong and powerful and fearsome, she comes approaching him and she says, you stop, you ugly beast. You see, she is susceptible to anger now. It shows that is the difference, you know. A Lankini therefore will not be able to be fearless because she is susceptible to anger and anger comes only when you are susceptible to desire. If you have no desires, there is no way you can ever get angry. Anger is always linked to desires. So anyway, she is very angry. She calls out, you ill-fated fool, my words fall on your ears. If you go against my orders, you ugly beast. See the kind of word she used. You will be eaten up. I can chew your bones in seconds. And when none of her words seem to be making any impact on Hanuman, she lunges forward to attack Hanuman. And Swami writes that with his tiny paw, because now Hanuman has become small. With his tiny paw, he just turns and gives a blow. And Lankini is thrown, thrown to a distance. You know, it must have been a shock for her to imagine such a powerful blow and such might coming from a creature so small. But then that is what the Lord's grace does. I remember reading somewhere that Agnes Bojackson, who later became Mother Teresa, when she was small, she broke open her piggy bank and she said that she wanted to start a service home to serve the people of God, whoever needs love. So, some Somebody said, you know, Agnes, I think they would have addressed her as Agnes. They said, Agnes, with three pennies, you can't do much. You can't do anything at all, actually. And her reply was fantastic. She said, with three pennies, I can't do anything. But with three pennies and God, there's nothing in the world that I cannot do. And I feel that is what is seen here also. Hanuman might be very puny and his paw is so tiny. And yet, his blow is enough to throw Lankini so far. In fact, when she makes a second attempt to attack, he gives her a second blow, which actually completely demolishes her body. Her spirit is freed. Lankini is dead. And from the body of Lankini emerges a freed a soul, a being that had been trapped in that body as a result of a curse. And that being comes and addresses Hanuman. Right. And she reveals one incident which happens when Ravana gets his boon from Brahma. In fact, there's another sidetrack to it. I'll come to that after this. Uh, what Lankini says. Lankini tells him that when Brahma gives him that boon that, you know, you will become a great emperor and whatever is the boon which he was seeking. And when Brahma is just about to leave, he stops. Swami says he stops and turns back and tells Ravana. But Ravana, be aware that one day a mighty warrior will come to the gates of your kingdom and he will come in the form of a monkey and when that monkey is able to you know fell your uh, guard at the gate that is the day your doom begins and he leaves mm. and uh, there is a lot of debate which is happening now about contorting Ramayana by speaking of it as a fight between the Dravidian race and the Aryan race mm. you know, they say the Aryan race is from Central Asia which has come to the northern part of India and then you have the Dravidian race and the entire Ramayana there were some people in, in South India who went to the extent of being foolish they started celebrating Ravana because they said he's our king you know mm. because Rama was the Aryan uh, prince who came and you know it was the Aryans coming and trying to stamp their supremacy over the Dravidians mm. so let's not have Ramanami we'll have Ravana now I mean, whatever mm. all kinds of nonsense but you know mythologically actually Ravana is also from mm. closer to the Himalayas and it is after he wins all these bones he wants a kingdom which tells the people around that you know here is the king of such authority so he comes to this island kingdom of 
of Lanka where Kubera has built this beautiful city. Mm. The whole city belongs to Kubera. He comes and he snatches it away from Kubera and becomes the king of Lanka. So this idea of here is the South Indian Dravidian king who is Ravana and we are so filled with our narrow-minded understanding that we try to fit in an epic as so deep as we go into Ramayana. That's what we are knowing. It's so deep in such multiple levels. So much to learn into our concept of Dravidians, Aryans and things like that. Continuing the story, yeah. She revealed that Ravana is told like that by Brahma. In fact, Brahma even mentions that that monkey that is going to come and you know give that blow that monkey will be actually fulfilling the command of the Lord. So all these hints are actually given. It is just that Ravana refused to see the hints. You know Swami would mention in the Chinnakata about how people as they grow older they start getting wrinkles on their skin then they use some creams and lotions to iron out those wrinkles then they start getting grey hair and white hair they put dye and cover up the hair then they start to lose their teeth they use dentures and you know ensure that they don't have to give up eating anything that they love and finally the day of reckoning comes when they are about to die they say oh my lord what is this oh god what is this suddenly I am dying and Swami says no you are not dying suddenly all warnings have been (laughs) sent you just chose to ignore it that is what has happened even in Ravana's case so many warnings messages, ominous signs, all these occur to him as we shall see from now on also. It's almost like God is giving Ravana a chance to prepare himself in a manner so that he can receive this as a boon rather than you know fight it out and struggle like a Rakshasa. But as they say, Vinasha Kale Viprita Buddhi, when the time of doom comes near, your brain begins to function haywire and it leads you to a path that is even more astray. So, As we shall see later, this news when it travels to Ravana, that a monkey has entered the kingdom like this, rather than remembering what has been told and trying to mend his ways, he actually decides that it is time to go and try to force and coerce Sita faster into marrying him. That is what Swami means by saying Vinashakale Viprita Buddhi. Right. And the other aspect of this uh, interaction between this Lankini and Hanuman is, Hmm. you know, the moment the Lankini realizes that this is not an ordinary intruder into the kingdom because he is that messenger because as you said, Brahma tells him that you know he will not be any ordinary person who comes into the thing. He'll be coming into the kingdom on the order of the Lord himself. So she immediately develops admiration for Hanuman. He says, my God, you are that person. You are that special person. And uh, Swami says that she starts fondling the place where Hanuman is, you know, given her the first blow. And he says, oh God, I'm so honored that I had the touch of somebody who's so special and all that. I feel, you know, Prem, in life also, you know, life will land us many blows. Many times we get blows from life. But if only we are able to look at that thing which is dealing us blows as a messenger of the Lord. Then you know, just imagine this Lankini who's got such blows and who's reeling under the onslaught, who's so angry, he's able to fondle the spot where Hanuman hit and then say, oh my God, it's so beautiful, so wonderful, I'm blessed that you touched me here. (laughs) Uh, That happens because there's a change in perception. She's now viewing Hanuman as a messenger of God rather than some intruder. So too, I feel in our life when problems come and smashes and land blows on us, rather than looking at those problems as intrusions in our lives, if, if we are able to look at them as messengers from the Lord come here to deliver some message which we should learn just like Lankini learnt and redeemed her life I think we will be able to enjoy even the so-called blows absolutely and the change you know because we often say this in the Ramkata it happens in one paragraph <laughs> like in the beginning she's like shouting and howling at Hanuman and I mean just this one blow and this recollection of this boon which rather the warning which Brahma has given Ravana she says oh god this, you are the special person and now Swami says what is Hanuman's reaction 
reaction to that he says the same reaction which he gave when she was shouting at him you know the way he was walking absolutely unaffected now when the praise is coming he just walks off he does not even stop to acknowledge that you know oh so I mean my coming has been foretold and uh, by so many people we get so impressed by that you know yes. you know personally i felt this was such a lesson for me because i have faced a lot of personally criticism as well as praise and i used to find it very difficult to deal with criticism so finally just like hanuman i decided that when people criticize if there's something positive in it take it if the person is doing out of genuine concern try to take it and improve yourself but otherwise just like what hanuman did to lankini just walk away without bothering and i have decided to practice that and i'm successful at that but you know prem the second part is sort of you just can't walk with disdain and without bothering when somebody is praising you <laughs> it's almost like when the praise starts you stop turn back and receive all the adoration adulation and then only you know proceed towards the task that the lord has set you upon for that much time when the praise is being showered you delay the lord's work so it is really really admirable that hanuman is able to do it because i feel personally with some kind of practice, you are able to train yourself to walk away from criticism but to walk away from praise oh my god that's right. a totally you difficult know, ball game for instance if you take the life of uh poet kalidasa you know there is that story where one day he gets this grace from uh, goddess kali and he becomes a you know vikata kavi uh, right he becomes immediately he starts singing the composing, praise or mm. composing and all that it is very easy for somebody like kalidasa to you know credit his talent to god because it was it happened instantly you know it was gifted to him he was a fool and one moment later he becomes a great poet but why wouldn't it be the same case if a person is born talented and becomes more talented as he grows up in what way is that talent belongs to him and you know somebody like Kalidasa says no my talent was a gift simply when i look at hanuman yeah hanuman was a hero even before he met rama according hmm. to the story you know hmm. we have these exploits of his he tries to reach the moon and you know he's supposed to be so powerful and he's cursed that you'll forget how powerful you are so he was always powerful his ability to say that you know even now if i'm having the strength it is nothing but the grace of my lord even now if i have a talent it is nothing the grace of the lord i think that is a lesson which is for all of us even when it is not obvious that the talent has been you know picked up and given to you to be able to say that no even though i have been living with it all this while this talent is also as much a gift of god as anything else would have been i remember at this point in time the experience of one of our alumnus mr tv hariharan have we narrated that of how you know he was a violin maestro from his childhood he has been playing the violin and when he joined the college that was a time there would be this kind of a talent search mm-hmm. we have this talent search programs even right. today in college where the freshers are allowed to exhibit their talent the only difference is those days swami would physically come to what we call as the old hostel the east prashanti the north the most point of east prashanti building which we call as the old hostel mm-hmm. that is where swami would come and do this talent search program in fact swami had asked are there no singers musicians in this batch and that was when mr hariharan thought that he would just bamboozle and stun swami with his ability because he had a magical ability to play the violin and he says that he played in front of swami all things that he could imagine apparently swami was not very impressed he was wondering what is it what is it that is uh, needed to be done I to impress swami more Swami listened to him and he was thinking that you know he would be the hero of the evening. Swami came and patted him and apparently Swami said have you heard of Tyagaraja? Hmm. Okay he said yes Swami and then Swami just remarked about Tyagaraja I mean did not tell him how well he played or anything he said Tyagaraja always offered his music to God and he said I always do it only for God and he accepted it as a gift from God and he offered it back to God and he went away. In fact the actual sentence if I remember right what 
what Swami said was Tyagaraja never sat and composed any music. Okay, okay. Tyagaraja just communicated with God. Mm-hmm. That has become music. Actually, this uh, Tyagaraja thing happened maybe at a little later date. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that day what happened was even as he was playing the violin and attempting to show off to Swami, he says that uh, in advanced music, there's something called Kalpana Swara. Mm-hmm. In Kalpana Swara, you have such mastery over the raga that is being played that you no longer stick to the script. You know what they say, you know, it's like a unplugged version. You just, mm-hmm. you just start going alive extemporaneously. You just start playing with the notes because you're a master in that raga. And he said, Swami began to sing Kalpana Swaras of that raga and asking whether he can play. Now, Kalpana, Kalpana itself means imagination, imagination, imagined. So, this is what Swami is imagining and telling it out. How is he able to play? And uh, Swami was apparently like, oh, you're not able to do this. That is when, you know, he says he realized he had thought that Swami has some level of musical <laughs> IQ, you know, some music IQ he has. I will stun him with a repertoire that is much greater. He himself got stunned. That is when he realized that how foolish he had been because his talent is actually a gift of God. If he forgets that, that's not right. In fact, he says he felt that his talent instead of taking him closer to God was taking him away from God towards his own ego. So that evening he went and smashed his violin. The violin that he is the champion of because he said, I don't want to play the violin anymore because it's taking me away from my Swami. It's making me egoistic. But then, you know, as Jesus says, he that humbleth himself will be exalted. That's exactly what happened to Mr. Hariharan also because a few weeks later for the birthday celebrations, I think, I don't remember the year, 81, 82, the um, Bharat Ratna, MS Subalakshmi, she had come to Swami and Swami had asked her whether she would be happy to sing. She was delighted. She said, Swami, I would love to sing, but the thing is, I have not got any of my accompanying artists. And for Carnatic music, one of the most common accompanying artists is a violin player. Right. Swami said, no, 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 you need a violin player, right? I have a violin player. And Swami comes to Mr. Hariharan and tells him, your atta, your aunt has come. <laughs> she needs somebody to play the violin, you play the violin. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was thrilled beyond measure at the same time he was scared. Thrilled because he was so touched. You know, MS Subalakshmi, not only is a legend today, even in the 1980s, she was a legend. She's a legend who has performed in more than 100 countries and she's a Bharat Ratna. And the same Swami who didn't acknowledge his ability because of his ego, you know, which he realized is today coming and with great confidence telling MS Subalakshmi that this Hariharan will be accompanying you. That was his thrill and joy. His dread was what shall I do now because I don't have a violin. Mm -hmm. He says, Swami also sent a violin for him specially in the hostel. Swami understood his predicament and sent him and that was a violin he used to accompany. So, yeah, speaking of skills and talents, everything is a gift from God. Each one of us have been given different gifts. We should use those gifts only to glorify God because I don't think there's any other better way that gift can be sanctified. Right. And at this point, Hanuman enters the city of Lanka because he's taken the form of a small creature. He has creeped into the gates. And what does he encounter there? We'll go into that, but after a short break. And as it's going to be Hanuman all the way, why not listen to a beautiful bhajan on Lord Hanuman? Don't go away, dear listeners. We'll continue our discussion after this bhajan. Anjanan 
listeners and even as we are playing that bhajan i think arvind you were reminded of that little joke about this bhajan we had spoken about in one of our bhajans afternoon satsang right <laughs> yes actually about uh, how when you sing bhajans in uh, the extemporaneous way of adding uh, josh alap and enthusiasm to the bhajan coach speed right yeah there is this line that one day lanka bhayankaram right. so we have uh, the thing that you add sai to anything like you know shiva 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 subramanyam sai subramanyam we just add that sai right. jay in middle so that vande lanka bhayankaram sai bhayankaram sai bhayankaram. so when you sing sai bhayankaram sai bhayankaram it it means as if swami is bhayankaram because there lanka bhayankaram it is uh, right. lanka was you know in awe of hanuman's valor now you saying that sai bhayankaram sai is so scary <laughs> exactly so as you said we are reminded of that so now as hanuman has entered lanka this is a situation i think all of us devotees feel we keep receiving such mails at radio sai and i personally also get such requests you know that uh, sairam brother i have been transferred to russia in such and such a place are there any sai devotees there <laughs> i mean new zealand is there a samiti there because somehow we feel that connecting with the sai center or sai samiti in canada us australia anywhere is equivalent to getting a family or because that is how beautiful the bond of love with the lord is it's almost like that you know hanuman has entered a foreign ground and he thinking now where shall i make my first contact with whom shall i make contact because everyone is so different just as you were saying about that just this morning we had one of our brothers from uk hmm. who came in you know, he was narrating about this beautiful thing he is a surgeon in the uk and he was saying that he has this weird way of connecting with swami when he needs it the most he said when he does his surgeries he plays swami's discourse <laughs> okay he said i feel so tranquil when i'm doing that and i need that tranquility maximum when i'm you know doing a surgery on a patient he said when he was once playing I mean, he has had it many times you would have the paramedical staff and the nurses and all that once when he was doing that one nurse said hey, that swami's voice and he was surprised because he's been working with his nurse for quite a few uh, months or years but he never knew that this lady knew swami and they got talking and he realized that this particular nurse had worked as a nurse in our whitefield hospital oh okay and you know she had received uh, a sari from swami's hand i mean he said she was so thrilled that time you know to listen to swami's voice in some uh, you know she's in london and she's come away from puttaparthi she said sir i always feel so bad why i left puttaparthi hmm. today i feel so happy listening to swami's voice <laughs> in the surgery you know? so that must have been radio sai then yeah we use <laughs> Exactly, he was actually telling us that only. You know, in in what all ways you you end up connecting people. Just makes us feel humble and let us not pause over <laughs> here because, like Hanuman, let us continue strolling towards right. the Lord's right. mission. So Hanuman is searching, and at that exact point in time, when he lands on the roof of one building, he hears the name of Hari, that is Vishnu. Somebody is constantly doing Hari Namaskarana, and uh, he wonders what is this. Who in a place like Lanka also the Lord's name is being chanted, so he's so thrilled. It actually gives him more. 
more courage and he goes and when he locates the house he feels that the man of this house you know appears to be very devoted and good person so i think he is the best person to ask as to where sita is and with that he enters uh, before entering the home he doesn't want to enter like a monkey so he changes his appearance to that of a brahmin a devout brahmin himself and he enters the home of vibhishana this happens to be the home of ravana's brother which is vibhishana right the other uh, yeah, brother so is of course kumbhakarna who is unavailable most of the time because of <laughs> the boon that he takes that he should be allowed to sleep for 6 months but vibhishana is is the you know the pious brother of ravana i think he's the second brother right mm. and hanuman is so surprised that as you said he's walking into this place where you know the name plate has like how we have in our homes om shri sai ram or you know <laughs> hari om things like that so he finds the name of lord hari inscribed in the very entrance of this palace he goes inside in the form of this brahmin and uh, vibhishana treats him like how a brahmin has to be treated that's another surprise because here is somebody who is offering the hospitality which you don't expect from the rakshasas mm. you know, he says i don't know who you are there is no way a brahmin can walk into lanka and in fact walk into a palace like this so uh, you know whoever you are you've taken the form of a brahmin so you deserve my respect he prostrates in front of him and uh, i think hanuman asks him who are you i am so surprised to hear the lord's name in uh, lanka right? after vibhishana says you know vibhishana is actually bemoans he says you know i am vibhishana and sadly i am the brother of ravana it's my fate that i have been born into a family a kingdom a place where i am not allowed to carry out my sadhana of chanting the lord's name with all confidence and you know publicly without any fear from anyone so i am that wretched soul who is caught up like this over here hearing this hanuman becomes very happy because all the and done this is a devotee of uh, rama this is the devotee of the same lord just like that lady there felt thrilled seeing the doctor who is listening to swami's discourse so hanuman then says that you know i am a servant of hari the same hari whose name you are chanting which you are reciting i am the servant of that hari my name is hanuman and i have come here because rama has sent me and the moment hanuman says that rama has sent me he sees that vibhishana's eyes are moist and they are shedding tears he is so happy and he exclaims he says oh god what a great day what a happy day this is i am so thrilled a better thing could not have happened for me today and hearing this is encouraging even for hanuman because hanuman feels that you know this is nothing but the grace of rama just imagine in the whole kingdom there is just one person who is going to be helpful to me who is going to be positive towards me and rama ensures that i land up exactly at this home i think this is a message for all of us to take home that when truly we are in rama karya when we are doing sai karya when we are engrossed in our lord's work however rare however difficult a resource might be or help might be swami will ensure in what could possibly be a very amazing coincidence or an accident or whatever but swami will ensure that we meet the perfect people we meet the perfect circumstances and everything will be taken care of because as we said in the beginning it is not our task to be done it is the lord's task the lord knows how to complete his task and get it done we just happen to be instruments and therefore as instruments without fear or worry we should plunge ourselves in doing the lord's work right and this is i think a, a sign for most of us when you, you know a lot of devotees experience this they set out on doing something when you come across a devotee of swami when you come across a picture of swami on somebody's car the kind of thrill that gives you and that enthusiasm which fills you with that's precisely what hanuman feels here he goes here imagine the first person you encounter the first building you walk mm. into is somebody who's so devoted and you don't even expect that it's not that you walk into lanka expecting a devotee of lord vishnu to be there and he finds vibhishana and vibhishana and then he reveals his identity and you know we were speaking about this kind of surrender that hanuman has he's not bothered about what happens because everything happens as per his will that is the same kind of feeling that even 
Vibhishna has. Hanuman is able to see so many commonalities between him and Vibhishna. Because Hanuman asked Vibhishna, Sir, how is it that you are living in such a place that is full of fear, that is full of, you know, it's such a vile atmosphere over here. It's not good at all. How is it that you are able to live over here? And Vibhishna says, I am doing it only, surely by the grace of God. Because, you know, there is no escape. We have been given a body, we have a life, we have to live our life. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, action is inevitable. You have to act, you have to live. But he says, when I am doing that, I am not foolishly thinking that I am the one who is living, I am the one who is acting. Because the Lord is the master of everything. He is the one who animates us, He is the one who makes us do whatever we are doing. And if it is His will that I live here, it will be possible. And He gives the analogy also. He says, have you seen the tongue? The tongue is surrounded by 32 teeth which are constantly trying to catch it. And yet, when you speak, hardly, never you will be biting your tongue because the tongue is able to escape all the 32 teeth. How is it able to do it? In the same manner, O Hanuman, when the Lord has decided to place me here, just like the tongue is protected from the teeth, I am also protected from everything. It is only the grace of God. And hearing this again, Hanuman is happy because this is a common bond they share where they credit everything to the grace of God. And uh, in another discourse, Swami makes this point, you know, in, when you said about this tongue and teeth, hmm. at a point when Vibhishana is very despondent in this conversation, he says, you know, I am stuck up here like this. <laughs> Apparently, Hanuman tells him, you know, Swami says this in the discourse. Hanuman tells him, don't worry Vibhishana, the teeth fall off first. <laughs> the tongue never falls off. <laughs> so, just persevere and it's a matter of time and, you know, you become the ruler. And uh, Hanuman, of course, reveals his identity. He says, I've come here for this task. And uh, another conversation which happens at this point, which probably is not highlighted in the Ramkatha Swami, but Swami would tell many times later. Mm. You know, Vibhishana is in awe of Hanuman because he's saying that, you know, I'm also a servant of the Lord. Even I keep chanting the Lord's name. In fact, you know, that is exactly uh, what Vibhishana says. After this conversation. He falls off at the feet of Hanuman and he says, you know what, Hanuman, you have come from Rama. I am also yearning to see see him. But what is it that I am lacking? I think I lack the virtues to see him because I have not had his darshan even once. What can I do if I was born into this demonic tribe? What can I do if I was born in this city? But I am also constantly taking his name. See, that is another commonality between Hanuman and Vibhishna. Both are constantly chanting the name of the Lord. So he says, I am doing, I am doing Ramanama. Why am I not yet blessed by Rama? Will I ever be blessed by Rama? And of course, he says that, you know, probably just being born in this land, I, I don't deserve it. And, I, you know, the family I'm born in does mm. not warrant me to get this blessing of having the darshan of the Lord. Then Hanuman says, you know, very beautifully, Hanuman says, Vibhishna, I mean, I'm the best example for you. You know, <laughs> I, I'm a monkey. And he says, even the Vedas and Vedanta, if they want to depict fickleness, they mm. talk of the monkey. Mm. You know, that's how much I have become synonymous with instability and fickleness and, you know, all the qualities which you don't want in a human mind. Especially in a spiritual right. aspirant. Especially in an aspirant, especially in a devotee. And I am coming from a monkey, I mean, that's my birth. But even me, Rama has accepted. Isn't that a perfect example and sign that he does not see anything else but just that purity within, just that love inside. So he said, you have it and that's all that matters. And as I was saying that it's not mentioned in the Ramkatha, but in the later discourses, Swami says this, when Vibhishna says that, but why am I not getting the darshan? Hmm. So he says, see, you're, you're definitely chanting the name of Lord Rama, but what have you done for Rama? He says, Mother, 
Sita is here in Lanka for so many months. What have you done? What work have you done for Rama? And that's when this beautiful Swami also would love to say this and he would tell all our students, you know, this is the way you have to live your life. Swami would tell that Hanuman uh, tells Vibhishana that remember this, you should have the Lord's name in your mind and Lord's work in your hand. Man me Ram, haat me kaam. He said, this is the message, this is what I have been living with and once you start doing this, you know, you're doing the repetition of the name in the mind but once you start doing Rama's work, you'll automatically win that little bit of deservedness which you're lacking right now. Absolutely. In fact, in Sanskrit Swami would say, it's not enough if you have Rama Nama, you should also be involved in Rama Karya. And uh, I think it starts off like that, you know, it starts off with we doing Swami's work and because we are constantly doing Namasmarana along with that, it reaches a point where whatever work we do itself becomes the Lord's work. The distinction between my work, office work, homework, uh, Swami's work, all that vanishes and that is when work truly becomes worship. So, it is not enough if we just do Namasmarana. Along with Namasmarana, there is the need for action. Again, that same analogy comes to mind where Swami says that Bhakti, Karma and Jnana are not three separate paths to the goal. They are like three wheels of a three-wheeler. All the three are needed for the smooth movement of the vehicle. Just that as per our choice, as per our preference, we can choose what is our front wheel. If I enjoy the Bhakti Marga more, I can put Bhakti Yoga as my front wheel, but I need to be backed by Jnana and Seva, that is Karma. And if I choose Karma as my predominantly favorite way of Sadhana, it definitely needs to be backed by Bhakti and Jnana and so on. So, this is what Hanuman makes clear for Vibhishna and Vibhishna then realizes what his mistake has been in pursuing the Lord. I think this is the advice that stands him in good stead later on also when it comes to making a choice Vibhishna decides to severe his ties with his own brother and the kingdom that has fostered him to come to the feet of Lord Rama because when it comes to the Lord nothing better stand between you and the Lord there is nothing more important than the direct contact between you and the Lord and it is because of Hanuman saying like this, Vibhishna realizes and as we shall see later in the war also he does so many things for Rama going against his own little individual identity. Very true because you know it's a perfect example of what Swami says of unity of thought word indeed. You know, because here is Vibhishana who has always been thinking of uh, Lord Hari is doing Namasmarna and there are instances where he has advised Ravana against this. He says mm. no this is not the right thing to do, please don't do this. But never was he you know bold enough to act on it. Like, you know, he has spoken about it, he has kind of expressed his, this one, but, you know, still he is there, still he is in the court, still he is trying to, you know, probably save his position in that family, in that royal court. But this interaction is what makes him take that final step of unifying the thought, word and deed. Because many of us face this, you know, we know that something is wrong. We have probably speak about it in places where it does not matter. Mm. But when it comes to acting on it, we are a little hesitant because you are throwing in a lot of things that stake when you have to act on it. But Swami says, you know, like I think the two weeks back when we spoke about Swami's definition of Satya in one of the qualities uh, aspirant has to develop. Mm. Swami says it is nothing but the ability to speak and act in accordance to the conscience. And that's precisely what Hanuman is that final push which Vibhishana wanted. And as you said, the kind of sacrifices that he does when it comes to the battle, when it comes to later is phenomenal because most of us are just that little bit of nudge is what is required. And who better than 
and Hanuman do that for Vibhishana. In fact, it starts right away because Vibhishana tells Hanuman, you be careful. There are these uh, guards that are patrolling. So be very careful. He advises him and also teaches him the routes in the city which are safe to take and all that. And Hanuman, that's it. You know, he doesn't want to delay even uh, for the sake of Vibhishana. It's not as if you can delay the Lord's work for a apparently good cause also. Mm-hmm. So he continues, he continues searching and Hanuman tires out in his search because wherever he goes, he can't believe that this can be Sita. Mm-hmm. He sees through man. And he's not had food also because the Swami mentions that Vibhishana offers him refreshments which he refuses. He says that till I meet Mother Sita and console her and pass the message I'm supposed to give to her, mm-hmm. I can't eat or drink anything. That's the vow I've taken. And you know, the enthusiasm in which Hanuman goes, instead of stopping and asking Vibhishana, where can I find Sita? <laughs> he says, no, 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 I have to find Sita and he runs away. Had he probably stopped and asked Vibhishana, he could have gone straight to Mother Sita. But in that enthusiasm, he starts going around. And as you said, this is something which, again, uh, an incident which Swami would highlight, especially for Swami students. Now you would say, here is Hanuman. He's a sworn brahmachari, right? He's the one who's celibate. And he's having to go into Lanka and look for Mother Sita. And whom does he encounter? Hordes and hordes of women who are not of good character, who are involved in you know licentious activities. Celibate would try to avoid such scenes, avoid looking at women like this. But here is he, he's doing Swami's work, he's doing the Lord's work. Even if it means that he has to go into this, you know, that is why the mind control is so important for a devotee. It's not just keeping yourself away from bad company, but the ability to go right into bad company and still remain pure. Not get affected by Not it. Not by affected by it. And that's what Hanuman embodies. It's like that uh, example that Swami gives of the fence around the sapling. When we are tender in the spiritual path, we need that protection. And that is when I feel keep away from bad company literally applies where you avoid bad company. But as you grow into a tree, Swami says when the tree becomes big, it shatters the fence because the trunk becomes so thick. And the same goats and buffaloes against which it had to be protected, the tree becomes a resting place place for the same buffaloes and goats. So in the same manner, once you grow spiritually to the level of Hanuman, it so happens that avoid bad company assumes a new meaning. It means you avoid the bad in any company that you go. Whichever company you go in starts becoming good company because the goats and buffaloes instead of nibbling at your leaves, they come and take shelter under your shade. That's what happens. I feel that is what happened with Swami also. You see, many times I'm sure we would have wondered, especially those of us who have stayed here physically for a longer time, we look at people and pass our own judgments, think that, you know, this person is not such a good person, this fellow is a wicked person, this fellow is a fraud, this fellow is this, and and yet, everyone was welcomed and love showered on them by Swami. It's amazing. <laughs> Means people whom we will not even feel like looking at in our own judgment, we feel that they are so bad. Even such people receive grace from the Lord, because I feel it is like that goat and cattle analogy, where Swami, of course, it's not that he reaches the level, Swami is the ultimate goodness and purity, because of which for him avoid bad company is to avoid bad in any company that he is and he is able to see only the good parts of every person and that is what even Hanuman is able to do and that is why he is not affected so avoid bad company I feel holds different meaning for us depending on what level we are at a beginning stage yes avoid run away because you know I used to also think that if all of us avoid bad company <laughs> who will help the bad people you know how will they become good so till we reach a point where the bad in them cannot affect us yeah we have to run away from them after that in the 
presence, our behavior, our attitude, the way we speak, the way we think, the way we radiate positivity or goodness will be such that in our presence, even the bad will not be able to express the bad. Therefore, the bad is being avoided in whatever company we keep. Yeah, as once I think we spoke about it, generally bad has this tendency of wanting to draw good and make it bad. But there will be a certain, you know, amount of even whom we call bad or wicked who will try to seek your company because you're good. You know, this is good company. Let me seek it. There's that episode where, you know, there is a woman of ill repute in a town who comes to Lord Jesus. Hmm. You know, every other person says, you know, don't go to her. She's a, you know, don't go to her house. She invites Jesus to her home. She's, she's a prostitute. Right. She's a, a prostitute. And, you know, Jesus says that, you know, she is coming to me in seeking the goodness that I am expressing. It's a completely different thing. As you said, you know, when, when the cattle come to the tree, which is, which is no more in danger from the cattle. It's almost like that when you're able to grow yourself so good that you become a good company and no bad company is bad enough to be bad company for you. I think till then, you run away from bad company works. And Swami would say that, see, this is the level of, you know, mental stability you have to reach. Not that endlessly you keep avoiding it. Finally, the goal of the whole thing is even when you're in, as Swami would say, like the lotus, which which is in the dirty water, but the water can never, never dirty the lotus. Hmm. I feel it's like if you are, say, a white bar and you have a thin plastic covering on you, you avoid things that can rip the plastic cover and dirty the bar. But if you're a white bar of soap, where every atom in you, every part, every molecule in you is good, you know, a soap touches however dirty a body, the soap is not going to get dirty, it's only the dirty body that's going to get clean. So, that is the level at which Hanuman is and that is why he's able to look through the whole of Lanka, sort through women and then tick them off saying, oh, this is not Sita, this is not Sita. So much so that so much time passes and Hanuman in his enthusiasm to serve the Lord, as you said, has forgotten and he has forgotten to ask the location of Sita and he is almost on the verge of dejection because he is thinking, oh God, what is it? How can I go back to Rama having come so close? How will I show my face to Rama? I think it's better that I drown myself in the sea. Right. And I feel this whole thing is also a divine drama that the Lord enacts in order to give Vibhishna that opportunity to start doing Ramakarya, start acting for Rama because this is the point in time when Hanuman is again passing by Vibhishna's house when Vibhishna calls and tells Hanuman listen, Sita is here. There's a place called Ashoka Vatika, Ashoka Vana. It's a forested area. That is where she is. In fact, you know, I have sent my wife and daughter to give her company so that when you're surrounded by Rakshasis and Ogresses, it's good that you have a couple of people who will be uh, sympathetic towards you, who will lend a sympathetic ear to you, who will empathize with you, feel the way you feel and also encourage you with the Lord's name. Therefore, I have sent my wife and daughter. I think his wife is Sarma and daughter is Trijata. I have sent them to take care of Sita. That is how Vibhishna starts, you know, doing Rama's Karya, sending his wife and daughter there. Apart from that, also guiding Hanuman how he can reach Sita. And that is how Hanuman starts going towards Sita. Right. And the other thing which uh, probably in other discourses Swami mentions is, you know, Hanuman goes around looking for Sita like this and then he says you know what am I doing No, from the description of Mother Sita which Lord Rama has given me she can definitely not be among these you know because all of these are living in palaces and I think in the Valmiki Ramayana there is that episode where he entering the house of Mandodari mm. the apartment of Mandodari where Ravana's wife. Ravana's wife and she is also a very very pious woman she is Swami would say that she is one of the Pativratas in the ancient scriptures so he sees such a glow on her face and for a moment Hanuman thinks that maybe this is Mother 
mother sita because here is a woman who is not like the other women who is you know there's so much of uh, effulgence on her face but then he says that no this cannot be mother sita but because she will not even accept this much of comfort you know being away from rama knowing that rama will not enter a city knowing that rama is you know living such a frugal life definitely mother sita will not be in a palace like this so he rejects even that he says no this cannot be mother sita and of course then he goes to this ashokavana where he uh, finally comes face to face with mother sita what happens in ashokavana before he actually converses with mother sita is something interesting because as he is going to ashokavana he is also seeing that this ashokavana is in one corner of the city it's away from everything and that is why he has actually missed it in the first place but even as he is going there he sees that there is a magnificent procession that is also headed towards the ashokavana what is this procession about and what happens i think we will take that up after this little break Hanumanta Shri Ramadasa Hanumanta 
वेलकम बैक डियर लिस्नर्स एंड येस एज वी हर्ड दैट भजन ऑन राम सेवक हनुमंत Hanuman has reached Ashokvana he is sitting on a tree and he is watching what's happening below he sees that there is one woman in this beautiful garden which is shining which is fantastic and she is sitting under a tree and she is weak and worn out it looks as if she has not had food she has not had sleep and Hanuman somehow feels that this lady you know matches Sita's description because that is how forlorn Sita will be a thing that adds to his conclusion is the fact that there are these demonesses ogresses rakshasas sitting all around her some of them are threatening her trying to force her into doing something that she is possibly not wanting to do at the same time as i said you know hanuman sees that there is one cavalcade that is coming in it's a magnificent procession there are women who are dressed very beautifully and uh, decked with ornaments but they are also holding plates full of jewels and ornaments and riches and they are heralding the great demon ravana and ravana is coming and deciding to make his entreaties to sita's this is what hanuman observes right and he comes in with this huge retinue of maids and people who are all carrying all kinds of gifts for Sita and he goes on to say again you know he's trying to win her heart he starts by pleading for her love and then he starts threatening her finally i think he says that i give you one month's time there is no way your rama is going to come into this place and uh, you know save you don't ever think that that's going to happen i'll give you one month's time and uh, I, i think swami doesn't write it so descriptively but there are places where it said that if you don't concede you will be eaten up by <laughs> the same rashi is were guarding you that's how he threatens mother sita and you know sita's vow of chastity sita believes that only rama has right over me no one else has right i think when she says that statement we should again look at the metaphorical meaning sita is prakriti nature nature says that only god has right over me you humans all of you you are living because of my bounty and grace you don't have a right over me i have a right over you and the minute you change the equation disastrous consequences you will have to face just like ravana is about to face for trying to you know lay claim and rights over prakriti which is sita and such a great pativrata sita is that she doesn't even address ravana looking at him directly in fact it has been glorified in many of the televised serials also where she plucks out a blade of grass and she speaks to the blade of grass it is almost like sita is communicating with the grass and ravana happens to overhear and you know sita cries out to the blade of grass says this fool the wild vicious fellow he is not able to realize that only rama has rights and none other than rama can have any right over the body if it comes to that i shall reduce my body to ashes in the flames of my sorrow and separation from him i shall never stray from this resolve and when she speaks thus even the great ravana who strikes terror and fear in the hearts of so many around he doesn't have the courage and confidence to just come and hold this woman this is a woman who he held by the hair and kidnapped but actually now sita is in a much more weak form she is reduced to a skeleton and she is sitting all by herself and it's not even a foreign land it's ravana's own kingdom he is surrounded by an army of demons and demonesses and yet this ravana doesn't have the courage to lay a finger on sita now i think that speaks about the courage and fearlessness that the protection of the lord gives very true and that is also the way a, a devotee responds you know we all have devotion to god we all feel like you know as we spoke about sugriva when you speak how that emotionally you you kind of pledge yourself to the lord you want to do something you want to surrender your life you want to live all your life at puttaparthi and all those kind of things but when faced with a problem when threatened you know forget being threatened temptation is enough for us <laughs> you don't even have to be threatened but this is what mother sita is teaching us that when you have decided that my entire life is for the lord 
when even threatened for life you don't binge you say you know this is where my loyalties lie and this is what swami wants all of us to be like you know it's not saying that swami i will do whatever you want and swami i, I will live for you when there is no challenge hmm. to be able to hold on to that when there is a challenge when there is a temptation and when you know taking the other route seems to be more pleasing than this one exactly and when sita says like this to ravana ravana is of course he's disappointed he's angry he's frustrated and as you said he gives that one month deadline otherwise she will be eaten up by the same ogresses but nothing seems to make even the slightest dent on sita and ravana then walks away no the whole retinue turns away and hanuman is observing sita and he sees the same sita who stood so brave who was unmoved who was untouched by anything and who seemed like goddess kali herself one moment back is now breaking down she's breaking down and she's looking towards the heaven and she's saying oh rama has not compassion yet entered your heart why do you condemn me to this torture when will i be freed from this why don't you come and this is another beautiful thing i feel this is the two sides of the devotee when it comes to standing for the lord nothing can move him nothing can touch him but it, when it comes to weeping for the lord even the slightest of thing is enough to move you into tears this beautiful paradox exists in a devotee this beautiful uh, two sides exists and that we are able to see in mother sita very also true. i have come across some devotees who say that they've gone through very very difficult times in life but they're very very strong but you mention swami's name you tell something about swami or even the very, very fact that physically swami is not here that is enough to make them just break down and cry and they would say this tears are only for swami problems cannot make me cry tears are only for swami i think that's precisely in this one moment mother sita is showing us that beautiful quality of a devotee dear listeners what happens next again gets more interesting but i don't think we will have time to go into that today because the time in our studio is already 158 so we will leave you with this thought that as a true devotee we have to stand resolutely firm for the lord without budging an inch without shedding a tear but when it comes to crying for the lord the slightest of thing the smallest of smile the little glimpse of orange that we get of our swami should be moving us to tears because it's such a beautiful experience to cry for the lord when we cry for the lord we get cleansed we feel freshened we feel so strong we feel so wonderful with that thought we will leave you with this song we offer this at the lotus feet of our dear swami and to hanuman seeking his inspiration to become like him so dear listeners this is prem and arvind from team radio sai thanking you for your company and offering our humble pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet
You just heard an episode of our radio program Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12:30 p.m. Indian Standard Time on Thursdays only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 24th December 2015. Dear listeners, we hope you like this program. As always, send us your feedback to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and loving Sai Ram from Prashanthi Nilayam.